Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Satan answered the Lord and said, Oh, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. By the way, this is what landowners would do on their property. They would go to and fro and they would walk back and forth on the property that they owned. How apropos because Satan owns the title deed to this earth, this world, not for long. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Job. We can take heart from the example of Job because it shows Satan can only do to God's children what God allows. And what he allows will only be permitted if it is ultimately for our good and his glory, as we'll hear from Pastor J.D. today. If you're in the middle of a really hard time, find comfort in God's sovereignty and his protection over you. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now here's Pastor J.D. in Job chapter 1 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Will I trust the revelation given of God by Jesus Christ when everything in my personal experience flatly contradicts it? My circumstances are such that it would challenge rightly in every way, everything I know to be true about God. Am I still going to trust God? Or am I going to curse God? Because that's what's at stake here. That's what we're going to see about to happen here in just the first chapter. So let's jump in, verse 1. There was a man in the land of Uz, whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, and one who feared God and shunned evil. That's another proverb right there, isn't it? The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. The fear of the Lord is to shun evil, and certainly this is what this man Job was. He was blameless and upright and feared God. Verse 2, and seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also, verse 3, and this is another reason why it's believed that either he was a contemporary of Abraham or predated Abraham because his wealth is measured in his livestock and his children. There's no mention of gold and silver. That would come later. There's no mention of the Mosaic covenant. There's no mention of anything that would come later. So this is why we know that He um, predated and possibly was a contemporary of Abraham. So look at this measure of his wealth, what he possessed. 7,000 sheep. I'm going to put this into perspective. In that time, if you had one sheep, you were considered blessed. Three sheep, you were wealthy. 7,000. 7,000 sheep. 3,000 camels. You know how I feel about camels, and I'm an Arab. They are the most hideous creatures. So you have 3,000 of these things. <laughs> 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household, so that this man was the greatest of all the people 
of the East. Okay, chapter begins by introducing us to Job, and we're told that he was a blameless and upright man who feared God. But there's this important detail in these first three verses that are going to be germane to our understanding of what's about to happen to Job. And let me explain why I say that. Job was very righteous. Job was very prosperous. Now this is going to be the very reason that Satan uses to launch his false accusation as to why it is that he worships God. And this is something you have to sort of keep on the table, so to speak, throughout this whole study. Job's creed heretofore is this. If you're good, God brings good. If you're bad, God will allow bad. Now, how does that comport with what we're just told here in these first three verses? Job is a good man. And God has certainly blessed him. And it would stand a reason that the reason is that God blessed him is because he was so good. Well, wait a minute. Things are about to get very bad very quick. Does that mean that Job is bad? Oh, his friends think so. And nothing new under the sun. They will accuse him of having sin in his life. That's why God's allowing this to happen. They attempt to answer said why question by saying, well, the only reason, the only explanation as to why it is that this is happening is because God's punishing you. Because isn't it true that God blesses you when you're a good boy and good girl? And God punishes you when you're a bad boy and you're a bad girl? No, honestly, think about that. Is that your understanding? Is that your creed? Is that your theology? Well, if it is, it's going to get turned upside down. (laughs) As it was for Job. G. Campbell Morgan had this to say of Job's righteousness and the importance of it. He says, it will save us from the mistake of thinking at any point of those experiences as having their explanation in the man himself, nor for himself did he suffer. Listen, his pains were not penalties for wrongdoing. In other words, God's not punishing him for wrongdoing. No, he's blameless, not sinless. Please make that distinction. He was not sinless. He was blameless and upright. So it couldn't be that God is penalizing him for wrongdoing. He's doing nothing wrong. And he says they were not even chastisement for correction. Not only is God not punishing him for wrongdoing, God isn't even correcting him. God's not even giving him a spanking to discipline him or to correct him because he's done nothing wrong. Well, then why, pray tell, is all of this happening? I thought if I was a good boy, then God would be good to me. And if I'm a bad boy, then God's going to be bad to me. But the problem is, is I'm not a bad boy. So why is bad things happening? I'm upright. I'm blameless. Oh, Job. Oh, Job, 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 Job. Can I add, oh, JD, (laughs) 
will you add your name in there? Because we're in this together. Can I just ask in the honesty and the transparency of your own heart with the Holy Spirit this question. Do you really believe that? Do you believe in that way? Hey, man, you know, I was pretty good this week, you know. I tied a little bit extra. I spent a little bit more time than I usually do in the Word. And oh man, I prayed a lot more. This I even got down on my knees on that hardwood floor and prayed. Man, I know God's happy with me. No, do you think that? You think God's in heaven looking down on you and go, that's, that's my boy. That's my boy. Well, wait, let's, let's go to the opposite side of the table on that. You know, I, I didn't have a very good week last week. You know, I, I didn't put anything in the agape box. I, I barely got into the Word. Man, it's really been a busy week. I really had a bad week, actually. And prayer, yeah, that's, to be honest, kind of non-existent. I don't think God's very happy with me. I don't think God likes me right now. I wasn't a very, a very good boy. Certainly God's not going to bless me. And then He does. And you're going, wait a minute, Lord. <laughs> what are you doing? I, I don't deserve this. To which God says, I know. Yeah, but Lord, I, I, was, I wasn't very, a very good boy. This, this I know. Let me see if I can say it this way. Job's creed up to this point is this. Insert tab A into slot B, and you get C. Job's creed is cause and effect. Job's creed is tit for tat. That's his creed. And now God is going to turn that on its head. Because he's good. And he's blameless. And he's upright. And God's not punishing him. What's up with that? Well, verse 4. And his sons would go and feast in their houses, each on his appointed day, and would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. This sounds like a pretty close family, doesn't it? Brothers and sisters, siblings actually getting along. So it was when the days of feasting had run their course that Job would send and sanctify them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did regularly. In other words, he did this on a consistent basis. This is another reason why we can date Job either as a contemporary with Abraham, because this is pre-law. There's no mention of any of the offerings or the, or the sacrifices. He did this of his own volition. It seems that Job was not only blessed with prosperity, but he was also blessed abundantly with peace and harmony in his home with his family. Can't help but notice as a father how good and godly of a father Job must have been. He basically rises up consistently, we're told, and basically prays for his children. You know, I've... um, over the years, done a study of fathers in the Bible. 
Uh, one in particular, David, not a very good father. With Absalom, with his sons, not a very good father. A godly man, a man after God's own heart, but not a very good father. You can go back even to the patriarchs. Jacob, the favoritism that was shown and the turmoil that it caused within the family. Well, in doing a study of fathers in the Bible, I think you would have to put Job at the top of the list as being a godly example, not just to fathers, but to all parents. F.B. Meyer wrote, What a beautiful example is furnished by Job to Christian parents. When your girls are going among strangers and your boys into the great ways of the world, and you are unable to impose your will upon them as in the days of childhood, you can yet pray for them, casting over them the shield of intercession with strong cryings and tears. They are beyond your reach, but by faith you can move the arm of God on their behalf. Do you realize how much power we have access to by way of prayer? Let me say the opposite. Do you know how much we forfeit when we don't pray and access that power? Verse 6, Now there was a day when the sons of God, this is speaking of the fallen angels, came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? Now please know that God knows exactly where he came from. He knows exactly what he was doing. It's kind of like in the garden when he says to Adam, where are you? Oh, he knows where Adam is. He just wants Adam to come clean. Really, he's demanding that Satan tell him what he already knows. So, Satan answered the Lord and said, Oh, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. By the way, this is what landowners would do on their property. They would go to and fro and they would walk back and forth on the property that they owned. How apropos, because Satan owns the title deed to this earth this world. Not for long. Not for long. There is coming a day where (laughs) you ain't going to be going to and fro throughout the earth, walking back and forth on it. Oh, interesting. Just very kind of almost innocent. You know, just kind of cruising, you know, throughout the earth. We have some very important information here, don't we? About Satan's M.O., modus operandi, how he operates, and what his strategy is in seeking to destroy us. We know, and we're going to see this next, he's got Job in his sights. And God knows it. And he knows that God knows it. (laughs) He's going to and fro, back and forth. He's stalking his prey. He's stalking his prey, and very patiently. That's one thing about the enemy that we need to know. Very important. He's very patient. As he stalks his prey, waiting patiently for that optimum time 
to attack. However, when that time comes, he has to obtain permission from the Lord first. He can do no thing. And we're going to talk more about this here shortly. But this is what the Apostle Peter wrote in his first epistle, chapter 5, verses 8 through 10. He says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have, listen to this, suffered a little while. Oh, do I have to? I have to suffer? Yeah. Will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast in the end but you have to suffer for a little while first. This is what James 5 verse 11 says in reference to Job's perseverance. James writes this, As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and, very important, listen, have seen what the Lord finally brought about. Finally, that's a wait term. That's a little wild term. Finally brought about. And the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. One thing we would err greatly in our study through Job ever buy into is that God was not compassionate towards Job. God knew exactly what he was doing as bad as it would get. Verse 8, Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? Oh, come on. God knows exactly what Satan's up to. He's going back and forth, to and fro. He's stalking Job. It was more like this, I know what you've been doing. You've been stalking Job. Oh, that's my servant. There is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. So, verse 9, listen to what Satan answers the Lord with. He says, does Job fear God for nothing? Does that sound just a little bit like the garden? Hath God said, have you not made, this is interesting, A hedge around him almost implies that Satan tried but couldn't because God has put a hedge of protection around him. That really encourages me. God has a hedge of protection encamped round about me and around his household. You can almost sense the frustration on the part of Satan. Listen, I tried to mess with your servant, but I couldn't because you've got this hedge around him, and not just him, but around his household, and not just around his household, but around all that he has on every side. I know this because I've been going to and fro, back and forth. And then he says this, You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land, but now... Here it comes. 
Stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. Oh, really? You're on. (laughs) Does this um, remind you of what Jesus said to Peter? He says, Peter, um, Satan's been kind of stalking you. He wants to sift you as, as wheat. And so he's asked for permission. He has to, right? I can just imagine, it's not in the, in the narrative, but I can just imagine what Peter's thinking. Satan asked for permission. <laughs> what did you tell him? Did you give him permission? Yeah, I did. I did. You'll see. I'm going to let him sift you as wheat, but in the end, when you come back and what I bring about out of this, you're going to minister to and convert your brothers. Well, the challenge is on. And this is interesting because on its face, it almost seems like Satan is falsely accusing Job, but he's not. Job is the subject of the accusation, but God is actually the object of the accusation. Think this through with me. Satan's challenge is that were God to allow adversity to strike, then Job would surely curse God to his face. Did you catch that? Oh, you think that Job worships you, Satan says? Because he loves you? Oh, no. The only reason he worships you is because of how you've blessed him. See that detail now? Of course he he worships you. Look how abundantly you've blessed him. See how important that detail is? He's using that to bring this accusation against God. It's as if he's saying to God, (laughs) "You, you think he loves you? Well, of course he's going to worship you. Listen to how Oswald Chambers says it. Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? This might be paraphrased in this way. Satan is represented as saying to God, You are infatuated with the idea that man loves you for your own sake. He never has and he never will. Job, for instance simply loves you because you bless and prosper him, but touch any one of his blessings and he will curse you to your face and prove that no man on earth loves you for your own sake. The book of Job shares the story of a man who has lost everything, but still clung to his faith in the goodness of God. This is an unusual concept, especially in a world that typically blames God for the evil that is around the world. God is still good no matter the difficulties you are facing in your own life. God is in control, and He will bring things to the conclusion He knows is right and perfect. He provides the peace and comfort you'll need to endure as well. Along with the strength to continue forging ahead, trust God, He's on your side. We hope you found encouragement and blessing through today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. We'd love to connect with you, so please take time to visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Follow our links to Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, and join the conversation already happening there. 
You'll learn more about our ministry at our website as well and be able to catch the latest editions of the Mideast Prophecy Update. Each week, Pastor J.D. takes a look at current events of the world and compares them with scriptural teachings, sharing what God is teaching him through it all. You'll find these updates at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com as well as on our mobile app for Apple and Android phones. That brings us to the end of our time with you today. There's much more to discover in the book of Job. We hope you'll read ahead and ask God to reveal His truth through the words on the page. Join us on the next edition of In Spirit and Truth as Pastor J.D. continues his study in Job. Holding me true.